All right, everybody, welcome. Everybody in the Chase Sapphire Card Member Lounge Club room here, we've got a very special event. My name is Eric Anders Lang. I host a podcast that is called... Anybody know the name of my podcast? One Hand? No, no hands. Uh, one Hand, okay. Anyway, it's, it's called The Eric Anders Lang Show. Today, our guest, Tyler Florence. Tyler, you are a celebrity chef, but you might be one of the first celebrity chefs on planet Earth. Can you tell me about this origin? Um, well, f first of all, um, Eric, uh, so good to hang out with you. I'm, I'm, I'm actually a fan of your podcast. I, I, I think you do a great job. You should have raised your hand. Yeah, not only, I was wanting to see if people could jump in. Not only a podcast, but also your YouTube channel, which is kind of fun. So if you guys uh, want to subscribe to his YouTube channel, I highly recommend it. Because he is my hype guy. Your content's fantastic, by the way. Thank you. You do a really, really good job with it. That's great. So it's Thank like, you. Uh, it's like, a, like the new generation golf head thing, you know. So you you do such a good job with it. But um, also, uh, thank you to uh, Chase Sapphire uh, for throwing a, a great party again. Nobody throws a party like Chase Sapphire. You guys happy to be here, everybody? <laughs> Tiger just walked by. That was fun. Got did you, to check did you watch Tiger walk by? What was that like? Um, well, you know, it, it's like it's like watching like Jordan hit a three pointer back in the day. You know, there um, there's always just I'm, I'm a I'm a huge sports fan. I love basketball. Uh, go Golden State Warriors. We're gonna make it a three peat. And uh, and then um, and I, I I love not only golf but I love the religion of golf. I think like like people who love golf love golf, right? It's and deep. It's deep. It's deep. And so there's something about that, like like watching a figure that we have kind of watched grow up in a way, right? I mean, because Tiger started when he was very young, and uh, and now he's kind of having this like amazing second wave. He did a fantastic job at the Masters, and and uh, and everybody loves that story. Right, that that kind of comeback story, and and so to kind of watch him come through and play one more time, and he's got his his back is straight, you know what I mean? Like he's like he's really happy to be here, and uh, it's exciting to see how this tournament's gonna play out. Do you, on some level, uh, when you're coming up through your career in the beginning, did you ever have a moment where you knew of someone and then you saw them for the first time, or through your own success had a chance to interact with them, where you were like, whoa, uh, is this reality? Well, yeah, I mean, d definitely uh, sports figures for sure. Um, later in life, once you kind of start getting invited to fun Hollywood parties, being on TV and stuff, you'll bump into celebrities. I'm like, oh, you're, you, you, lo you look taller on television. Um, so you bump into that. And, uh, and then definitely sports figures growing up. So I grew up in uh, uh, Greenville, South Carolina. Um, go Greenville. Somebody's from Greenville there. And uh, we, we used to go down to Atlanta all the time to watch the Atlanta Braves play. And that was back in sort of like the late 80s. So they were like America's team. And it was Del Murphy and Chris Chambliss and Joe Torrey was the coach at the time. And so all those guys to me were like, you know, like my sports heroes growing up because like we were such a, such a huge baseball fan. And, and yeah, so I, I think when you get a chance to see somebody like that, that, um, that climbs, you know, to this like, right? Yeah. And, and that's what I love about golf because it's such a hard game. It's such a hard game. Like, you can, you can play, and this is kind of like where I am in my golf journey, right? It's like you, you, you play and you really kind of commit for six months or so, and then you get busy and you go shoot a season of television, and you look down at your watch and realize, oh, my God, I haven't played in, like, three months. And that's probably pretty common for most people. Yeah. And you go back and, like, what happened to my swing? Or where's my putt? Or, like, what, what happened? Where's my chip, right? So I, I think, like, to me, to kind of watch those guys, you just kind of commit to it day in and day out, and, and they're so good at it. It's always just super inspiring. Have you had the chance to 
make food for any of your heroes in sports? Um, you, you know, when I was, uh, when I was uh, 19 years old, I was in culinary school at Johnson & Wales University, and uh, he's not a, he's not a, a sports figure. Um, but I was doing an externship at this uh, hotel in northern Michigan. Externship? Yeah, it's like it's like instead of a, it's like where you go to, you go to work at a hotel for three months, right? Okay. They call it an externship, and uh, versus an internship, you Never go heard out. Of that. Well, it's, I don't. I gotta get I don't one know, of those. I don't know why they call it that. It was an externship. But anyway, I got I got a chance to make an omelet for Gavin McLeod, who was Captain Stubing on the Love Boat. You know what I'm talking about? I do. Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. Uh, food analogies. You're. I'm just gonna digress into that. Soft like butter. Anything else? That comes up for you? Soft like butter. Um, uh, uh, dink it and sink it. I think it's kind of like a what's good... A, is it, what's a dink it? Is that a piece yeah, of food? You dink it and then you sink it. Ah, like a donut. Like a donut. You, yeah, you, could, you yeah. could dunk a donut. <laughs> I think a lot of people dunk donuts. That's not an ad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you've had some pretty crazy golf experiences, even though you don't define yourself as a golfer per se. You've played the most exclusive course uh, in, in the world. What was that like? Um, yeah, we, we got to, I, so we, 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 um, we uh, I was invited to do an event at the Masters, right? Um, uh, uh, I, this is like maybe four or five years ago. And then when we were there, uh, and that was, that was pretty spectacular. Very, very similar to this. We got a chance to cook at the Masters for a couple of days at a hospitality house. It was just great. And then we got invited to come back and play Augusta National uh, a little bit later. And again, it's like a, a, some, some guy who, who was sort of a, an enthusiast who always, and I, I have so much respect for golf. I, w I, I'm not, I, I wish I could always be better. But then all of a sudden, you know, you're, you're playing Augusta National, and there's 25 people on the course, right? And, it, and the place is kind of empty, right? And and you, so you're having breakfast in the morning and, and like their, their restaurant thing. And there's like the former Secretary of State. And there's like some, it's just, just kind of crazy little club thing. And we got a chance to play it. And it was just so spectacular because they closed the course half of the year. And it's right before it gets stupid hot in Augusta. And all the azaleas were in bloom. And it was just, it was, it was just, it was just, it was an amazing experience. And I got a chance to take two friends of mine, two uh, uh, fellow restaurateurs in San Francisco, uh, and it was their absolute dream come true. And we just made a thing about it. We got a private plane there. It's hard to fly into Augusta. And then we, we just we blew it out. It, we, it was so much fun. What, what do you, when you're there and, and you're having this marvelous experience, are you at all trying to take away some memory? And, and if so, does, does the food play a role in it? Or do you kind of just let that go for that day? Well, you know, being a chef, which is because it, you, you, if you're like, being a chef... Um, means you'll never get kicked off the island, right? Which is fantastic because I'll always I can always feed people, and I'm really good at that, right? So when people know that, they sort of make concessions for the things you're not so good at, so you can suck at golf. But as long as you're a great chef, it's fun, right? right. Like you're you're a, you're a good time. So it's, listen, when as soon as I I've, I've smacked my last ball in the woods and I can't find it, I start driving the golf cart. <laughs> right, right, right. right. Uh, but we always have a good time with it. But uh, but to me, like. Um, when you, when you get a chance to play something super special like that, and I, I think like being a chef and being a golf enthusiast, or all, and a lot of things, you're you're always like chasing the experience, right? You're always like that masterful moment 
where you're at this like very exclusive place and you're and it's you and this thing that very few people get a chance to do. And I feel like that when you get a reservation at a crazy Michelin restaurant and, and you're doing that with a couple of good friends and you're having this like we went to Il Bui in Spain, uh, you know, a couple of weeks before they close, if you guys know what that restaurant is and, and uh Fran Adria. Anyway, but like to me like there's like there's a level of chefs out there that are on par with the le their level of professionalism as professional sports stars. And, and so I get that whole thing of like going to chase that experience, right? Like you're sitting there and you can't believe like I'm here and we're doing this crazy thing. And playing Augusta National is definitely one of those experiences. You know, it's kind of funny. I, I've, I've never really thought of it like this, but you know, obviously food is wonderful when you're consuming it. Otherwise, for me, it doesn't really inhabit much of my life. It's, it's only really there when I'm either smelling it or tasting it, you know, or, or, or in the restaurant experiencing the, uh, you know, the way it's supposed to be experienced. And in some ways, golf is the same way. It's really, it's about the experience of being in over whether a meal should take a long time or a short time, you know, because golf sort of is, there's different ways to, you know, interpret golf into experience. You can go to the driving range or you can play around, you can play nine holes. Yeah. You know, it seems like in you, food... You, you, you can go to the French Laundry, or you can have an In-N-Out burger. Exactly. And sometimes they're, so, they're the, kind of the same thing, you know? It's like it's so great, you know? And so if you get a chance to go hit some balls or, or go have a four-hour meal, again, it's just about, it's about chasing the experience, right? But in some ways, food, you know, it's like, it's like the idea of, like, sipping. Yeah. We don't... We don't you know, golf, we sort of get frustrated with a long round, whereas when you're at, you know, per se... You want to be there for four hours. You want to. You want to really experience it. You want. You want to walk. You want to. You want to take the the long road. You want to think about your club. You want to think about your shot. You want to just sort of savor the moment with one of those things. And that, again, like that. That's one of those things about golf that I think is just so spectacular because it's such a it's such a beautiful head cleaner, right? Yeah. When you kind of go out and spend you know three hours with you up against your own just like iron will like to be a little better than you were five minutes ago and uh and so it, it's sort of a similar thing when you go to a, go to a restaurant or choose to like have like a quick experience with that and then if you go and because like golfing and cooking it's all about the drill right you have to do it and do it and do it and do it and you know having really expensive golf clubs or having like fifty thousand dollar cabinets in your kitchen do not make you a better golfer or a better cook right it's about getting out there and just like slugging it out like these guys that are playing right now they're so good at it because like they're obsessed with every single nuance about what they do. And I was going to ask you a question because, like you said, food doesn't – unless you're kind of, like, in that space, you don't really, really think about it. But, but you think about golf all the time. Yes. This is what I'm saying. So to me, like, everybody's got that thing that they wake up and go, okay, dope. Like, how are we going to get closer to God today, right? How are we going to get closer to this, like, experience of, of, of being, you know, in the right place at the right time? Or you're always thinking about the next trip or the next tournament – or, or who's doing what in the in the in the PGA tournament, like like those kind of things are kind of what we what we think about chefs like food. And I just love the fact that that a lot of these culinary and sports events are really starting to merge. Yeah. Because now everybody's a foodie, am I right? Everybody's a foodie. Yes. Right. Like everybody's been to a great restaurant. Everybody watches the Food Network, and everybody's like done their thing. So when you kind of come to an event like this, especially an event you might have to pay a pretty penny to show up for. Like, you expect a good plate of food, am I right? Right? Yes, you're exactly. Right. I'm right. So we, we, we did this fun thing today over here. If you guys had a chance to check it out, we'll call it a taco cone. If you guys get a chance to check out the taco cone. Have you tried it? Has anyone tried it? it? It's all of, the, all of the taco. Mandatory. None of the tilts, right? It's amazing. All the, you get a chance to walk around like this, and you don't have to get that taco neck. 
Yeah. Turn your head sideways. I, I had hate one taco bite, dough. and I immediately was enlightened. Yeah, it's a, it's taco, but in a cone. It was incredible. Yeah. Also, it's a flour tortilla. Am it's I a right? Full, it's a it's a it's a flour tortilla. Yeah. So it's, it's which sort I of, like. I like that too. Yeah. Yeah. I like corn. I a like lot flour. of people go for corn. I guess it's more authentic. I don't know. You could, you could do corn. You could I like do the corn. innovation. Yeah. You you know what ups. I was going to ask you about your, uh, you know, in golf, we get obsessed over clubs like you brought up, and it made me wonder, in the kitchen, what knives. It's got to be knives. It's got to be knives, right? And so there's a, my favorite, um, um, you know, I I have, I got to have, I have like, I don't know, a few hundred chef's knives. We're talking, we're talking a quarter million dollars in knives. I would, you know, of, of various degrees, I, w- I would say it's probably pushing well over $100,000 with a knife for sure because, like, some are, like, very exclusive Japanese steel. Some are, like, very exclusive German steel. Some are, like, hand-tooled by, you know, I've got a couple of Bob Kramer knives, uh, which were he, he made personally. Uh, he's, he's an amazing um, uh, blacksmith up in Seattle and in Washington State, and he does a great job. Do they get uh, personalized ever? Yeah, 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 for sure, for sure. I mean, I have, I have Japanese knives with my name written in Japanese on the handle, and like, and like, and the, and how much was that? That was that was sixteen hundred dollars for that eight inch knife. <laughs> okay, I'm, I'll, I'll do it in a heartbeat. Because again, it's just like that, that. It's just that thing, you know. Like you, there's so much that goes into the craftsmanship of cooking. Sometimes, like golf and like skiing, like you have like better piece of the tool or better piece of the puzzle. You feel like you feel like you're just a little closer to that thing where it's, it gets you're closer to perfect. Right, and then as far as golf, what's your favorite club? Well, I'm a you know I'm, I'm a I'm like I'm a big clumsy driver guy. You know what I mean? I like, I like, I like to smack it. I like I like to hit a ball. Um, so I've, I've got a, I got a lot of fun drivers, and I I'm pretty good at it too, man. I, I've got I can I can smack one 300 plus yards easy. I think yeah. that's that's the greatest part of golf, right? Is that you play what a dozen times a year, maybe? Probably yeah, probably about that. Yeah, sure. And you can hit one shot that a pro would take any day. Yeah, I mean, well, and, when that, and that's the thing about it, because and, and those are those little sweet spots that that keep you going. Am I right? Yeah. Those those little those little moments, and in like cooking, like you you finally get a well balanced sauce. Yeah. You're like, dude, I, I'm I'm you know I'm Thomas Cal, I'm a chef now, right? And, and so those little moments in golf too, specifically, like you nail you nail a good five foot putt, you know, you nail a good eight foot putt, and all of a sudden you feel like I got this. You know, one of the things that I love about golf is you've got this wonderfully rich origin story of of all of the facets of golf whether it's a player whether it's a course whether it's an architect or the game in general um i've heard some stories about kind of how certain dishes were created how they're culturally relevant the caesar salad being from tijuana was a bit of a surprise for me do do you do you look at sort of the way uh cultures have developed dishes and sort of learn from that? And, and do you have any interesting anecdotal stories that you could share? Well, um, I, I learned something f- from just about everything that I do, right? And so um, as a student of life, and, and I, I think if you enjoy the good life, a lot of people are very observant, right? It's like, I just noticed you're wearing a, a Tudor watch. I'm a big fan of Tudor. Like, I pay attention to stuff, you know? Like, and, uh, and, and to me, like, like traveling... And having those little micro moments where you go, okay, that's kind of cool, man. That's that's fun. Or or if if there's um, uh, a a solution that you kind of pick up in the kitchen that someone's doing something that's kind of fun, the way you know, like the way an event gets prepped, and you kind of pick up something from a country club chef just because he slings like that level of food every day. It's like okay, that that really kind of makes sense in a lot of ways. And and to me, they're, they're like the origin of great cooking. You know, the, um, so. 
Um, a woman who shot eight of my, I've written 16 cookbooks, right? So um, uh, Petrina Tinsley, who shot four of my cookbooks, she's a, a world famous uh, food photographer in Australia. And she gave me this piece of advice on being original that I thought was like really, really compelling and it's never left me. She said, you're only as original as your inspiration is obscure, right? So if you want to be original, where you get your inspiration from needs to be so off the grid that nobody can put their finger on it and go, ah, it's sort of like that. Or, yeah, he's cool, but he's like this meets that. Like, it has to be so f deep, right? And that's when, when we usually, oh, thanks so much. When we, um, when, we, when we come up with new concepts, we generally kind of go deep in the process with things that hopefully you won't be able to you know, find in a quick Google search, right? And, and that just means kind of paying attention and taking a lot of pictures and taking like voice memos on your phone about like different dishes or different idea creations or smashing things together. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it's, it's like being original, especially like I said, this is my 23rd year on television. I've written over 20,000 recipes for Food Network. Um, I've got... Um, I don't even think I, I've eaten 20,000 meals. Well, well yeah, well, um, you probably have you probably have. Maybe. Um, yeah, I'm sure you have. But um, but we 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 we're in this like like fast pace uh, idea creation thing where like some people you know kind of walk 18 holes of golf. Like we we write recipes like it's a sport, right? Like we we crank out ideas. And I love being contractually obligated to be creative. I love that, right? Yeah. Because, like, guys, we have, like, a new television series coming up when we got to write 23 brand-new original recipes. I don't want to dust off the stuff we did back then. I want to do brand-new concepts. So, like, I, I just I love, like, forcing ourselves to, like, think about what's new. And a lot of people ask me, hey, what's your favorite dish or what do you like to cook all the time? The, the dish I really love making is the one I haven't made yet. Right, I like that because we're always like striving to like find that like and, and just very very similar to golf that perfect swing. Where you're like, okay, that was just like that was just so juicy, right? Like I nailed it. My form was perfect. Like I had the right club and 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 everything was great. And sometimes when you get those moments where you created like that next kind of perfect dish, it's kind of mind blowing. You know, you're reminding me of one of my mentors in golf named Stephen Pressfield. He wrote a book called um, The War of Art, but he also wrote The Legend of Bagger Vance. And in The War of Art, he talks about, uh, you know, the, the need to make room for inspiration. And he says that it really comes from a direct discipline. And he, and he says that, uh, you know, luckily inspiration strikes every day for him, and it's at 8 a.m. as soon as he sits down. And, and that was kind of a big learning experience for me, is it's almost like, especially when you're in a creative field, you can kind of sort of, uh, you know, get lulled into this idea that creativity strikes on a beach or you know somewhere on a day off and i think a lot of times it's about forcing yourself to you know create and then ideas come from there it's almost like it's almost like you know in in high school when they were like just start writing yeah. and then things come out do you sort of ever go into the kitchen with a total like creative uh period of time well y yeah I mean, you, you definitely hit the wall creatively speaking from time to time just like the way golfers like will hit like a bad period where they like, just like what happened to my swing I'm just like I'm just dry right now I can't figure <laughs> it out cuz it happens no idea it ha yeah it happens all the time it's like so and and creatively like you get to the point where it's like I just don't there's no more fuel left in the tank and that's when we hit the road, right? And that's when we start traveling. And that's when we start, like, kind of, like, trying to find another deep well of, of inspiration. And it's usually, it's usually just past where we are right now, right? It, and then all of a sudden you get this, like, new burst of creativity or a new wave. And, and, but I, I think my new discipline is, like, really listening to my own thought process 
and not treating thoughts as, as something that's frivolous. Because sometimes when you have, like, there's nothing more frustrating than having that genius idea and not doing anything with it. And it's sort of letting it drift off to the land of nevermore, right? Right. Like, I'm really, really great at, like, having an idea wherever it hits me. I have a notebook with me at all times, right? Um, I take really copious notes on my cell phone. I'd love to see this. No, it's, it's good. It's good. I, I, have, like, I have notebooks and notebooks and notebooks. But, like, the idea when an, an idea hits you, like, you, you have to document it and you have to put it into a safe place that you know you can always going to go back and reference it again because like that's where that's where real uh inspiration can come from and not necessarily externally but internally right just kind of thinking through you know as, as a filmmaker i'm a filmmaker myself i i, I, saw, I, I saw i made I yeah i i, I uh, directed my first movie last year and uh, the and documentary we, about the fires, uh, yep, Uncrushable. And, hey, thank you very much. Yeah, we did. We made a movie called Uncrushable. It's about the 2017 wine country fires, and we got picked up in uh, in eight different uh, film festivals that's this year. Great. It's great, you know. And and so to me, like and that's that, your first filmmaking, or my, is that it was my it was my first film. Yeah, that's amazing. But this is what I'm saying. Like so so there, listen, I, I tell people this all the time. There may be things that you haven't done in your life, but there is nothing that you can't do, right? And I, and I think that's the most important thing with everybody. Everybody has the capability of being the greatest version of themselves the world has ever seen. You just have to tap into the creative process and be diligent with, with that creative process and make sure that if you have a good idea, that you actually do something with it. Right. Right? Instead of like, okay, can I, can I tell you one idea? that Because I live with regret all the time. Like I was, um, um, uh, my wife and I were kind of like playing around with like different ideas, and I came up with this thing because I'm a winemaker as well. And then, in the winemaking process, especially when you make white wine, the the when they crush the grapes, um, there's so much skin that's left over, and it ends up being uh, composted. But I was thinking to myself, you could actually turn that to another product like vodka, right? And I was thinking, we got to make rosé vodka, right? It's like radio on the internet. <laughs> it's like, I yeah. want to make rosé vodka. And we sat around with this idea and sat around with this idea. And somebody two weeks ago came over to my house with a bottle of rosé vodka, and I cried. Yeah, you, you had the idea. Because <laughs> I missed that one, man. I should have done something with it, right? And that's what I'm saying. Like, that idea, that, that level of regret of like, oh, I should have, and I could have, and I would have. How expensive is that? Right. Yeah. You know, so the idea of like doing something great and being the great person, like you just got to look yourself in the mirror and you and every day you got to you got to get a little closer to that. Because some some people, when they start out in their career as like guns blazing, like young bucks and they have all the like the, the right ideas in the world, but they don't have the ability to match that. Right. right. Creatively. Right. So their their ambition and their ability are kind of off off kilter a little bit. Right. So their ambition is way up here and their ability is down here. And that's cool because the, the, the ambition is the taste factor. And that kind of thing, if you really have amazing ambition, right, that kind of thing can't really be taught in a way. But right. the ability can get ticked up. And, the, and sometimes people don't have the patience to build their ability to match their ambitions, and they'll, the, and they'll settle, right? Well, that just kind of goes back to the idea of uh, the more times you fail, the better. Yeah. Oh, my God. We, 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 we fail all the time. And I think that's an important part of being an entrepreneur, right? Like, I've been self-employed for 25 years, and I'm doing okay, right? And, and, and the idea of failing, you gotta, you got to throw 10 concepts out there to get three to stick, 
right? So that means you got to fail seven times to get three ideas that are really, really great. And that's so a you, good number. So you have that's a great number, and you have but you have to be patient with that. And and getting take getting no f- uh, for an answer is kind of I'm a kind of okay with that because like if you tell me no, I kind of want to know why, and I think it's probably the most important, right? Because then you can kind of walk back and say, okay. I need to sharpen my presentation. I need to know more about that particular sector, right? I need to know more about the business model of why that makes sense because that person had a, that person thin sliced my idea fast and it wasn't going to fit their model. So I should know more about them than I do right now. And I always take that as a gift. We take successes and failures and we kind of treat them with equal reverence. Did you just say someone thin sliced your idea? Like salami slices, like right? A, like you know what a I mean? mandolin? Yeah, like a mandolin. Thin slices. Like when you walk up to somebody and go, yes, no, right? Boom. Boom, yeah. Like it, don't like it. Yes, no. And, then, yeah. and that, that's a real discipline, too, when you can walk up to a... So the more, the more ideas that stick, the better you get at determining if it's going to be a good idea or not. Right. Right? Uh, let's go back to last night. I, I was really blown away by the event last night where you were a part of uh, the dinner that the PGA hosted and that Chase Sapphire put on. It was you... And four other chefs, and you brought this up a minute ago, country club chefs from the area. Yep. From uh, Baltusrol, Wingfoot, Aronimink, and Congressional, all making dishes that were kind of reminiscent of their membership and their career as the chef at that club and course. I mean, I was just blown away by the concept and by the, uh, you know, execution and... I just loved the entire idea. Did you have any experience there? Have you done things like that? It just, to me, it just spoke to how golf is more than just a course or a membership. It's actually a, like an ecosystem and a community of people kind of working together to create a family aspect to a game, really. Well, g- going back with the idea as being a chef, you'll never get kicked off the islands, right? <laughs> like you always, you know, and, and everybody, it doesn't matter kind of where you live on like what they call like the trophic scale, either you eat the big fish or the small fish, right? It doesn't matter where you exist. Everybody eats one to three times a day and everybody likes food that tastes good. Everybody loves food that tastes delicious, right? So, so being, in this, being in a world where it's like people expect things because life is expensive, when you, golf is a very expensive hobby. It's a very expensive hobby, right? I mean, sometimes you go to a great course and it costs three, four, five hundred dollars around. So this is we're kind of playing in a world where the expectations are kind of high, just because I'm shelling out hard dollars for that, right? The expectation for a you know a six dollar and an out burger is still there too, because six bucks is kind of expensive for a hamburger. So the value's got to be there. And to me, like what I love about the country club life is like when when you and and where things are going now because everybody is upgrading their food everybody is upgrading their food and beverage experiences, right? Because people just expect more out of it, right? So when you, when you go to a baseball, uh, um, like, uh, like the Golden State Warriors are in Chase, the new Chase Arena in San Francisco that's opening uh, next fall with the Golden State Warriors, um, like we're, we're doing a steakhouse with the Golden State Warriors, and I'm very excited about that at the new Chase Arena. And, and to me, like we're, we're going deep in the process to make sure that that, that, that food is not just good for a ballpark or good for a sports arena, but it's best in category, period. Maybe even best in the state, right? Because we, we shoot high. 
And, and that's what I love about these particular experiences because like if you're, if you're a member of a country club and you pay a couple hundred thousand bucks a year for membership, like I want the food to be good. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I don't want to show up and like bring my family for brunch or you know, show up with a client and have breakfast and have it to be mediocre, right? And needs to be delicious. So I, I think everybody up in their game kind of comes along with where we are in 2019 because like everybody has the same information. Yeah, it's so interesting that there is like a, a sea change in, you know, interest in food. And like you said, everybody becomes a foodie. Uh, I'm curious to know, you've teamed up with Chase Sapphire now for uh, many different occasions. I'm curious to know what that experience is like to sort of uh, offer your experience to card members in a way that's very one-to-one. We've done events with Chase Sapphire, and they always throw a spectacular party because they know their clients, right? And I think that's really, really important. Like, if you're going to have this kind of intimate relationship with you, like your passport to the world is in your wallet, and, and that relationship comes with a certain understanding of you knowing me, right? And, and, and also in, in, the, in the credit card space, um, there's lots of bonuses and perks that kind of comes along with other cards. And I love the fact that Chase Sapphire has a club in a way, right? That, that if you're a member of the Chase Sapphire, you get invited to really special events because like they really, really know their clients. They take the time to not just have this like this kind of one-sided relationship. Like you spend money and and you know you get points for it, whatever it is. Like we want you to really enjoy having that card in your wallet, right? Like that card in your wallet comes along with a world-class experience that you have to be in the club to get. And, and just like this. And we, we've, done, we've done events with them, and they're always spectacular. Uh, I mean, this one has been uh, a memory that I'll have for a while. This has been incredible. Uh, Are you guys having a good time? Chase, I that? think so. Are you guys having fun? I appreciate that. I, as we wind down, I really, I really do want to get to uh, the way the celebrity chef landscape has been molded and formed. You talked about having multiple waves of this. I'm curious to know what the difference is in being a chef and being a celebrity chef and that subtle world uh, that you live in that few do. Can you, can you offer us some insight into that? Well, you, you know, um, we're, we're lucky, right? We're really, really lucky um, that, that we get a chance. And I say that because, like, I've got three of my team members here uh, with us uh, this week. And, and I feel like we're lucky as a group to be able to do things that we love for a living, Right. And, and I think that kind of comes along with, with being best in class, right? Like, we're, we, we, we exist in this rarefied air space that, we, you know, we're, we're top 1% of, of chefs in my genre. Like, we get invited to do fun things. And, you know, like I said, it's my 23rd year on television. And we, we're shooting six seasons of television this year with Food Network. I've written 16 books. And, like, and we, have, we have a good time, right? But you can never take that for granted. You can never, ever take that fact that, you know, the touchdown you threw in high school or the, the best-selling cookbook you wrote 10 years ago or whatever it is. Like, you have to keep your head down, and it has to be about the food, 100%, right? And then the celebrity stuff and everything that kind of comes along with that falls into place. But you can never – you have to be more chef than celebrity instead of the other way around. Like, if you're more celebrity than chef, like, people are going to sess you out pretty fast. Because yeah, the second they it. put a spoon in their mouth, they go, like, I don't get it, right? But when they do put a spoon in their mouth, they're like, oh, I get all of this now. And that's the most important thing for us. It's always about the food, always has been, always will be. Uh, speaking of putting a spoon in your mouth, uh, your current project is in San Francisco? Yeah, so we have Wafer Tavern. Have you guys anybody been to Wafer Tavern in San Francisco, my restaurant? 
three I'm people, going four people next week. Yeah, well, well, you know what I like about this? We haven't fed everybody yet, which is inspiring. We have there's more people to feed, right? Uh, but uh, you know, we're we're gonna be nine years old in uh, next month. Uh, we've held on to our third star in the San Francisco Chronicle for the last six and a half years, and uh, and we it, it's an old American tavern, which is great. We're doing a steakhouse with the Golden State Warriors coming up. Um, ho- fingers crossed by the end of 2019. It might be first part of 2020. Uh, but we're very excited about that. And uh, and and yeah, man, life is life is great. We have a, I've got a, a seven acre ranch in Northern California where we have like goats and That's chickens. Mill Valley, uh, Corte Madera, next little town up. Okay. Yeah, so uh, we we have, we have uh, fruit orchards and goats and bees and three dogs and cats wow. and chickens. That sounds like a site visit I want to make. That sounds like fun. You should come out. You should yeah. come out, as a matter of fact, right? Because like this event, the PGA Championships going to be in San Francisco next year. What? Yeah. You guys come for that? I am ready for you that. You guys come for that? Great. We're going to be there. That's going to be a good time. New York, San Francisco. I guess there's rivalry. I didn't know. Well, you know, so the, well, the next time you're out, do you, do you make it to Northern California? You're in L.A. Yeah, I'll be there right? next week. Yeah, you're in L.A. You should, you should come up. We should hang out. Yeah. But we hang I was, out. Can, we, I, can we play golf? Let's play golf. I, I'll that be play fun? golf with anybody. <laughs> That's a rule. It is. It's you play true. golf. You play golf with anybody. I play golf with anybody. 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 Once. Right. <laughs> How about this? How about this? You right. give me golf lessons. I'll give you cooking lessons. Right. I we'll could make, use that. And we'll do like a little podcasty thing with a little little YouTubey thing. With For it. me, cooking actually sometimes implicates sort of heating up food that someone else made. Well, I'm sorry well, to say. Well, li- listen. We'll, we'll 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 put you through the paces. Right. Okay. We're, we'll we'll give you we'll give you some task. We'll let you make a sauce. You know, I uh, I want people I want people to be able to stay in touch with you. You know, you can go. You're on Instagram. You're on Twitter, Tyler Florence. But I'm curious to know if you can offer just people listening. You know, we try to we try to really encourage inspiration, and it seems like you do that very easily. Can you simply uh, offer some way of directly changing the way we look at food just by listening to what you're about to say? I'm putting you on the spot. You know, to me, everybody likes really good food, right? I've never met anybody that says, I like bad food or I like mediocre food. And I think in a lot of ways, food can be intimidating, especially in the process of making it. Like golf. Because it's like playing golf. It's like it's so intimidating to watch this guy just like drive like a 350-yard, like, and, and landed on the green. How do you do that? It's yeah. like it's like a Superman skill, right? It's like a super skill, but it, but it, it's just practice, right? And I, I think if you commit to making you know ten dishes a year, I'm gonna master ten dishes a year. I got twelve months to do I'm it. I'm already intimidated. This is, well, this is what I'm saying. But if you do that, so I, I think the the most the first thing you got to do is you got to define your palate. What do you like? Do you like Mexican cuisine? Do you like Japanese cuisine? Do you like Indian cuisine? Like what what kind of flavor profile are you most attracted to? And then I would I would get a couple of cookbooks that speak to that genre and then I would start to kind of fall in love with the ingredients right and then and then just kind of get better at it and you'll be shocked like once you make a recipe two or three times you've mastered it it's yours you'll know it for the rest of your life and you get a couple of those scenarios under your belt then you can riff and that's when cooking gets really fun right when you can open up the fridge and the fridge actually speaks to you and tell you what you're going to have for dinner tonight it happens to my wife all the time my wife will say like there's nothing in the fridge for dinner i'm like give me half an hour and i come back and i've got this masterpiece she goes how'd you do that i'm like i just i know that these things things can go together and i i know those things can go together and and that's just practice like anything else but like i i just think it's one of those gifts of humanity like 
arts and, and science and music, like to be able to cook for yourself and cook for somebody else, right? It's just kind of one of those things that like, you, it's like, it's like an IT person. You know, an IT person seems like a wizard, yeah. right? Because they can like fix your, they fix your email. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. like, but I, yeah, but if you can cook and you can make something great, you kind of have this like wizard skill that's kind of amazing. For those of us that may not uh, have a kitchen, because it does, I, I, when I look at my fridge, I speak to it and I ask it why it's empty. Right. Uh, that's my relationship with the fridge. But uh, as far as just wh where do you find new places to eat? Well, how do you, how do you, how do you, what do you look to to get that recommendation? Or, you know, I mean, you're obviously, you're already in the vein of it, but what do you suggest to people that are, you know, looking for options? You know, I, I think social media is like this new kind of information portal, which is kind of extraordinary, right? Um, I remember I'm 48 years old. When I was 28, um, you, you would have to fly, and I lived in New York City at the time, you had to fly from Manhattan to San Francisco, drive up to Napa, get a reservation at the French Laundry, eat dinner, and then take pictures of your food with a camera, and then put that SD card in your laptop and then show your staff what's happening out in California, because like, other than that, there was really no way to know, other than once every two or three years, they come out with a new cookbook. But now, because of like social media, you can see what these amazing restaurants are doing for specials every night, right? So the idea of decoding uh, the world's greatest food, all this information is out there in a really great, fabulous way. And so, so when, and you'll, you'll see ideas volley back and forth from the East Coast to the West Coast or Europe back to New York. And, and you'll see like some huge trend that's kind of cooking up and then somebody does a spin on that. And, and I think that's really kind of exciting. So like the idea of following chefs on social media, it's always kind of where I start looking for really great restaurants. And then if you go follow who they follow, right? Whoa. You go, you go down the rabbit hole a little this bit, This is right? almost stalker status. No, no, no. But yeah, all of a sudden, it's like, like okay, that person's dope. I like their food. Who, do they, who are they interested in, right? Right. And then, you, then, you'll, then you'll see, like, they're, they're following a chef from another restaurant in another country, another state. I'm like, well, that's kind of interesting, too, right? And it's that level of personal knowledge that you'll... you'll it's really hard to find every, all the good stuff online. Sure. Right? That's a very organic approach. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I'm going to go look at everybody you follow, and I'm going to follow everybody right now. I follow about 4,000 people. Go check it out. Some of the most, <laughs> it was some of the most interesting food people in the world. So, yeah, for sure. Right. For sure. Check it out. Thank you for your for time, sure. man. I appreciate it's it. It's an absolute pleasure. If you come to San Francisco, a couple of things. If you don't come to my restaurant. I will. Or we don't play golf. I am. I'm going to hurt you. Both of these things are happening. I'm you not going to get come. hurt. You got to come. I'm not going to get injured. I want to feed you. Great. I want to be fed. Let's hang out. <laughs> Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. I appreciate it. Thank you so much, Chase Fire, for having us out. We had a ball. Eric, I appreciate it, man. You're a good time. Thank you. I Thank you, too. Man. Appreciate, appreciate it. it. All right. Well, that brings us to the end of this podcast and the week of podcasts that we've had out here at Beth Page Black. I want to thank Chase Sapphire, and thanks for having us at the Card Member Club here. It's been a wonderful week, a lot of putting, a lot of great food, good drinks, and friends. And, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to next year. 